0: Hey friends, today we are talking about pornography. So put your seatbelts on. There's no trigger warnings or anything to be concerned about, but this is obviously a heavy topic. So I want to give you a little warning, but this is something we have talked about before on this podcast. And clearly you want to talk about it more because by far it was our top downloaded two episodes. This is one you want to make sure you click on the links below. So if you're unfamiliar with this, you just scroll wherever you're listening, Spotify or iTunes, and there's going to be some links. There's going to be links to some books that Dana mentions. She's my guest today. She's written over 30 books and one book we're talking about specifically today. There's some incredible resources. Also shout out to Fight the New Drug is a organization that I love. I had the opportunity to meet them or interview them on this podcast as well. They have a lot of great resources. If you find yourself in the struggle. And Dana mentions some great resources too. So I'm going to have them all on the show notes. Make sure you don't miss those. Okay. Dana Gresh is my guest. If you don't know her, you're about to love her. She's incredible. This is like one of my hashtag goal interviews. And here she is. Let's get to it. I was just talking before we hopped on in February of 2020. So just before the world shut down, I took our daughters to a True Girl conference, which is kind of your mastermind. Um, anyway, it was, it was lovely here in Chattanooga, Tennessee and had a great time with my daughter. So thank you for creating environments like that for mothers and daughters. Oh,
1: it's my pleasure. We love helping moms grow closer to their daughters as they both grow closer to Jesus. That's kind of our mission at True Girl.
0: Yes. You have quite the resume. So many books, so much that you've done for women, especially my oldest daughter, also reading Lies Young Women Believe. So, so many incredible things that you're doing, but now a new book about happily even after. Yeah. I would love to hear kind of the behind the scenes of why this book.
1: Uh, well, Bob and I a lot. <laughs> are not that, um, we're not very uh, unusual in that there has been a pornography h- problem in my husband's life. And that's mm-hmm. a pretty abrupt way to start. So let me tell you a little bit about my man. He is the funniest guy you'll ever meet. He loves Jesus like crazy. He is, um like The other few weeks ago in my DC group, I lead a small group of 20-something women. And we were describing, we we're talking about Abraham. And I was like, who do you know that has the faith of Abraham? They're like, Bob. My husband, they're like him. Like that man struggled with pornography. And about 70% of men in the church are struggling. They're fighting a battle and they're not winning most of the time. It's a really tenacious battle once it gets its grip on you. And so at a certain point in our marriage, Bob came to me and said a problem which I thought had gone away had resurfaced and escalated. And we just came to a crossroads where we were like, okay, you know what? We fought this battle long enough, enough is enough. And that was the beginning of a different kind of victory in our marriage. Yes. Well,
0: I think I'm proud of you, first of all, for sharing this, because as you said, so many people keep it kind of in the closet or don't want to talk about it and you stepping up and like, Hey, you know. We, we don't have it all figured out either. I'm sure as you've experienced the floodgates have opened up of like me too, me too. Thank you for sharing yeah, yeah. this because our struggle has been that. Yes. And I wanted to talk about that. You said 60 to 72% of men in the church. So not just, you know, your men in the church struggle with sex or porn addiction, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And about 30% of women um, that's been growing in recent years. And here's the 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 problem. Um, First of all, God calls us to holiness. So there's really not any room for this in our marriages, in our lives. But we've become very accepting of it, like, kind of like, oh, I can just handle it myself, or that's not that big of a deal. Or some people believe the lie that it'll actually be good for my marriage because it'll Mm -hmm. awaken my sexual desire. And the stats actually tell us that the opposite is true it just destroys sexual desire. And at the same time, as we're becoming complacent about it of, oh, it's common, so it's every person's battle, right? We're not willing to talk about it to solve the problem because we are so covered in shame about it. And at some point, we have to step forward um, in the pulpit as pastors, as leaders, um, Christian authors like me, and start to put faces and names with the problem. Because that, I think, is going to bring us to a place where we're really having a conversation that's fruitful.
0: You've been doing Christian ministry a long time. I'm curious. I heard it said, you know, that when I was a kid, to get a hold of pornography, you had to go to the store. There was this black magazine. There's a little bit of shame of going to the counter and and giving money. That how did you get to the store if you were, you know, too young to drive? And now these digital devices, and it's so easy. So I'm curious.
1: It's has hard that, to get away from it now.
0: Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and maybe people are more willing to talk about it. I guess I'm just curious,
1: anecdotally, have you noticed just a extreme rise? Oh, yeah. Or how, yeah. Um, the computer has changed the battle entirely. Um, and one of the things is it's not just more people struggling, but it's younger and younger. The average age of the first inception of pornography is at least 11. That's average. Um, I'm along... I have an opinion that I share with a lot of other leaders that is probably more like nine. The average is more like nine. We hear yeah, kids that are five, six, seven years old. And these aren't these aren't individuals who are like, gee, I'd like to look at pornography because I have a high sex drive. It's curiosity or it's stumbling onto something. And it does create chemical shifts in the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one of the reasons why people are struggling and they can't overcome it. Uh you get this little download of dopamine when you see something exciting like that. And of course, if you stick around longer for climaxing, you get, uh, different, other different chemicals. And this cocktail of chemicals creates, um, an, an addiction, a dopamine addiction that is really hard to override. It's so significant that if you put a dopamine addicted porn brain next to, a a heroin addict's brain, a functional image scan of them, they would look very similar in terms of damage. They would have all these little pockmarks in them of their inability to function well. And that has such a grip on these little ones from the ages of 11, 12 years old. Again, they didn't know that they got this peaceful feeling because there was dopamine rushing through their brain. All they knew is they saw that picture they didn't feel great about it because maybe it wasn't something they should be looking at or what would their mom or dad think if they saw them seeing that. But they felt better, because, uh, they forgot about being bullied at school, or they forgot about their parents' divorce, or whatever the case may be. Their pain went away, and now you have a lifelong addict.
0: And as you said, so difficult to overcome. What is it really cool about your story, though? You said your husband came to you and started like, hey, let's, let's tackle this. Yeah, he did. Instead of so, trying to hide it. That's huge.
1: It is huge and I'm finding that it's a rare gift. As you said, like since I've written the book, people are writing to me and saying, "Hey, me too." And my husband is denying it or my husband is saying it's not that big a deal or my husband um, I suspect it, but he won't he won't confess and I'm afraid to ask. So what a gift that Bob gave me, um, it's certainly a gift I didn't want, but <laughs> yeah. But, But I'm learning more and more that if you have a spouse who's honest about their struggle and comes to you, that is really a sign of someone you can trust. Maybe not in the moment, maybe not with a computer or a phone screen, but ultimately they are wanting to rebuild the places where trust has been um, dismantled. I think that's awesome. I have a good friend
0: and similar story and the husband's like, you know, this is my struggle and, you know, I want to overcome and, and they worked on it together. But what I thought was fascinating is he got a dumb phone in a world of smartphones. He was like, I, I need a phone for communication and practical use, but, and they had to like fight with the people at Verizon. Like I know they exist in the back by golly, give me a dumb phone because he didn't just even want that temptation. And, um, you know, years of recovery better now, but I think like, you know, they say, if if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. Like those are the kind of extreme measures in a modern day of getting a dumb phone. And anyway, I thought that was a great example.
1: Oh, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. And something that you pointed out that I want you to unpack too is fighting for your husband, not with him. And you kind of alluded to that, but that's huge. And, and that can be unpacked, I'm sure in so many other areas. But when he first came to you with a struggle, it was, it wasn't like, I mean, obviously, I wasn't in your room, but I'm sure it was frustrating. But it, it sounds to me, it wasn't like you, you, you. It was like, okay, let's figure this out together. And I think that's beautiful. So I yeah. love you. To unpack that.
1: Um, I wish it was that beautiful, but <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> it, it was something like that. Um, he, it was devastating. What he told me was, it was a dark day, and um, at the same time, pieces of the puzzle started to fit. Like it had been about 18 months. Since he had relapsed, and during that time, I felt an escalation in the distance growing between us. That's because the shame was was increasing. That's because he didn't just do it once; he binged, uh, and that creates um, an inability to be emotionally present. That that dopamine addiction just Mm kind of takes you away. Uh, you're, You're just you're not there. And I felt all of that. And it didn't make sense to me. I thought it was stress in our careers, whatever. So the puzzle pieces finally were fitting together. I was like, all right, the puzzle pieces fit, but they could not have been put together in an uglier picture for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was really in shock. I went for a walk. Uh, I called a girlfriend. I wasn't about to keep this a secret. I know enough about this stuff that anytime you feed um, sin with secrecy. You are working on cooperating. You're cooperating with the enemy. Right. So I called a girlfriend right away and she started to pray over me and it just broke the floodgates. The mm-hmm. tears came as she prayed scripture and just called me to be a problem solver. She prayed from Psalm 119, the word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And she said, Lord, Dan, get Dana in your word and show her the next step. Show her the step on the path. And then I came back to the house and said, okay, I, what's the plan? For right now, I've got to put my broken heart to the side. What's the plan? And we discussed um, what our points of action would be.
0: I heard two super important things in that. <laughs> get a friend like that. Because yes. first of all, that's amazing. Or be that friend because you yeah. don't know who might call you. But to bring it into the light because this and, and any other sin, as you kind of just alluded it, it breeds and grows horns and yes. <laughs> in the darkness. it just slimy, yucky, moldy, and bringing it into the light, it loses its power. That's
1: right. Exactly.
0: Those are two huge, powerful things so I'm making sure uh, to point out. But okay, so step one, calling your girlfriend, putting your broken heart to the side, and deciding, I want to fight with you instead of. I want to fight for you and solve this together and not fight with you. What did that
1: look like? Um, Well, it's different for every couple. Um, But one thing that I really encourage with pornography addiction is clinical care. Uh, The average friend or even uh, a phenomenal pastor or the free counselor at church that doesn't have knowledge and experience with the clinical complexities of pornography addiction is going to be in over their head. And Mm -hmm. the fact is the partners of a porn addict generally don't have the best working brain either. And I found this to be true of myself. Um, I was foggy. I was confused. I was uh, in grief. Um, I was prone to angry outbursts. I threw things at my husband. That's not really characteristic of me. And I just wasn't able to concentrate and focus on my work. And so I kind of went for medical care because I thought something was wrong with me. Well, what was wrong with me is I was experiencing symptoms of betrayal trauma. We know that that can have a really lethal effect on a partner's brain. Um, Some to the point of symptoms of PTSD, or even a diagnosis of PTSD. About 70% of wives of porn addicts have symptoms of ptsd and so you need someone with some clinical understanding to help you navigate through all of those things um telling a woman to forgive her husband even though that's an important part of the process but telling her to forgive him in the early moments hours days of this disclosure is kind of like telling a woman who's dilated eight centimeters don't scream when you feel like pushing, yeah, (laughs) like like we, we have physiological things in our body at odds with some of the steps of healing the marriage needs. That's because he needs healing and she needs healing independently first before you can come together and do, I think, uh, effective healing as a couple yeah. so find someone with clinical understanding now please hear me that doesn't mean that they aren't believers and they don't use the word of god as their final authority because if you don't have that you have nothing the stats on um recovery in the behavioral science and psychology world are abysmal they're they're in the single digits single digits of people who attend um clinics inpatient clinics for addiction we're talking one that, to five percent actually have any kind of sustaining recovery, without the presence of Jesus and the Word of God in your recovery process, the odds are pretty grim. Wow, wow! So the the help that you got, I guess, Christian based counseling. Well, here's one reason why I'm so adamant about both clinical care and Christian care. Um, Bob and I decided because we had fought this before with Christian therapy. Um, it wasn't like it was our first rodeo, it was just, it had been a while and there was an escalation. Mm-hmm. So we had advice from an elder in our church, get the best help that exists. So we, we looked it up online and there was an inpatient uh, managed healthcare facility that was renowned for its recovery of you know well-known people, celebrities, politicians who would go there for uh, sex addiction recovery. So they said they had a faith-based track and we were like okay we're strong believers and they have a faith-based track with that stuff in place let's do this well it was not a faith-based track so we aborted that mission pretty quickly um bob was there for a while but then he just said without god this is nothing can't do this and we don't question that that was a decision we made because there were some fruitful things that happened there both in bob's life as well as in the lives of some of the men he interacted with um but then we moved to a clinical care christ-based facility in colorado called crossroads of the Rockies, Crossroads Counseling of the Rockies, and worked with a man, Pete Kuiper, and he really integrates the Word of God with clinical understanding. And then you know when to apply the Word of God, how to apply the Word of God, when you're ready for the step of forgiveness, when you're ready for full disclosure, all that stuff, because you're monitoring um, those symptoms in his brain that says, okay, Bob's back with us, he's present, he's detoxed, and he's here with us, he's in the room today. And Dana is um, over, overcoming her fog and her confusion and and her anger isn't as out of control. So she's ready. Her brain is starting to cooperate with this. Let's do this hard work today. Or Bob is not in the room. Dana's brain is not working. Let's do something simpler. Let's take a baby step.
0: Well, I deal with a lot of, you know, this is Truth For Your 20s podcast. So, so some girls are married and some are not. I'm curious, there's obviously sometimes different conversations when you're talking to people who are her dating versus married. Um, obviously, I'm all in favor of fighting for the marriage. And I think that the work that you've done is beautiful and yeah. giving such a testimony while we're talking about today, right? But I guess, would there be different or uh, what your advice might be to someone who is in a dating relationship and yeah. finds, let's, let's just say for a young lady and realizes her boyfriend is, has a porn addiction, what would those steps be?
1: Well, but my first thing is I feel like everybody needs to be fully aware that porn is ubiquitous. It's everywhere (coughs) to find someone who hasn't seen porn. um, That's, that's the needle in the haystack right now. Um, It's not that your boyfriend has or hasn't seen it. It's, is he caught in a cycle that is, um, that he's not fighting, that he's not resisting, that he's complacent about um, those are the kinds of questions I think you need to ask. It's scarier for me these days for a woman that I'm counseling in her twenties to say, I'm in this dating relationship with a guy and I don't think he struggles with porn. He's never brought it up. Eh, that scares yeah. me. That scares me because at the very least he should be saying, you know, this is something that I have safeguards against. My computer has this feature on it, or this is how I keep myself clean on social media, blah, blah, blah. Right. So um, the fact that it's a conversation that's happening in a dating relationship, I think is a hopeful sign. Mm -hmm. Now, is this person in a place where um, they've seen it or they've stumbled across it? That's a different thing from somebody who's in a pattern or cycle where they can't seem to control it. And that pattern or cycle could be hourly. It could be daily. It could be weekly. It could be monthly. It could be once a quarter where they have a big binge. Um, That's the kind of question you need to ask. Is is there a cycle? Like how often are you seeing pornography? Are you choosing to go find it or are you stumbling across it? Well, if you're stumbling across it, what do you have in place to avoid that from happening? Those are the kinds of conversations you need to have. And then as with everything, I'm going to say, you need to talk to your mentor when you get that, those details, because you're a different person from me, that, that guy is a different person from my husband. And you're going to have to decide together prayerfully, um, you know, is this a good relationship for me? It's not the only factor in a relationship. Um, yeah. so that factor on top of a really healthy relationship where there's efforts being made, that's not a deal breaker to me. Yeah. That factor on top of a lot, a lot of other unhealthy factors, that's a deal breaker. Even if the porn isn't in an addictive place.
0: Yes. All great advice. Um, curious too. maybe, okay, we've had this conversation and we realized that there is a problem. There is a, you know, continual binging, seeking it out, wherever it may be. <sighs> again, I'll keep coming back to you saying fight for the relationship for, you know, together for, for the good, what might that look like to a, you know, 22 year old in a relationship? Okay. We realize there's a porn addiction. You're a good guy, good relationship. You know, things are good, but this is a problem. Like how do you kindly, you know, without attacking, are there maybe Mm -hmm. words or language about that?
1: Well, if there is addiction and nothing being done to, to stop it, probably Mm -hmm. the greatest way you can fight for the relationship is to walk away from it. (laughs) Yeah. That's a wake up call for somebody. If they're really committed to the relationship and you say the pornography or me, that's a wake up call. Um, I really recommend (laughs) um, uh, Rosie McKinney wrote a book called fight for love. Just, she's a delightful person. I just adore her. Uh, I haven't met her bucket list one day, maybe, but um, she found out on her, she had been in a dating relationship with a guy who was a porn addict and broke that relationship off and then was married and on her honeymoon discovered that her new husband had a porn addiction. Oh no. Well, they went home. They did not finish the honeymoon. She applied Tough Love. She got him in therapy and counseling, and then she started to get herself in the- the group that she needed to be in for support and help. And I just think we have to be radical like that. Um, mm-hmm. we, we we have to stop telling ourselves the lie. Oh, I am the solution to this guy's problem. No, you're not. Jesus is the solution to that guy's <laughs> <Preach>. problem. <laughs> so if you keep putting yourself in the position of savior, uh, he's not going to really find the one that he needs. Oh, girl, put it on a t-shirt. Say it louder. <laughs> That's so true.
0: Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, sometimes just tough love is, is the answer. And that was all really good advice. In your book, you talk about seven essential beliefs that every marriage needs to survive broken places. You don't yeah. have to unpack all seven of those, but I wonder if you can maybe just give us a little highlight of what you talk about there.
1: Well, one of the things is that honest confession is the beginning of healing. And I continually meet, whether it's a dating couple or a married couple, that's afraid to talk about maybe past sexual sin, past exposure to pornography, or what's happening here in the present, because they're like, oh, the truth would you be so devastating for me? I, d- mm-hmm. I don't wanna know, I'd rather just be oblivious. Well, that's really in contrast to what God's word says. Jesus said, speaking of himself, if you're truly my disciples, you'll abide in my word and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free so it starts with abiding in him truth and truth sets you free truth is never devastating to us it might hurt it might be uncomfortable it might be words we don't want to hear things we don't want to know but when we have jesus who is the way the truth and the life helping us deal with the factual truth of what's going on in our life it leads to freedom and the opposite not talking about the thing that's pulling you away from each other, that leads to bondage, that leads to addiction, that leads to strongholds. So we have to get past the lie that knowing the facts is going to be too painful. It is going to be painful. I'm not going to lie about that, but it's not going to be too painful if Jesus is there with you. Yeah. And
0: it's kind of like, choose your discomfort, you know, going to the gym is not comfortable, but being overweight and unhealthy is not, Is you know, so pick, pick your uncomfortable. exactly. So, yeah, I think that that's a good point, but yeah, it's not going to be, I'm sure, you know, when we all first had your conversation, it wasn't like, oh, yay, that, that was uncomfortable, but I, I can't get past what, not that anyone wants to sign up for hard things. No one wants this, but because you have gotten through this, the testimony that you leave in the fight, after, you know, overcoming this, I just, that's what it's about, right? That's our mm-hmm. testimony. That's what we get to share with others. And I love that you also talk about, you've mentioned several times, you needed therapy too. You needed help. You needed community. You needed prayer because this was a fight for both of you in different ways. And um, I think that's something to not discard because while it might be, and as you said, women struggle with this too, but if it, in your situation, if your boyfriend is struggling with this, Unique community as well. So yes, exactly. Well, Dana, I'm just so thankful for you and all your resources. I I'm so curious because you have so many resources in the world. I'm <laughs> going to put you on the spot. If if someone is new to learning about you, and yeah. obviously they should get their hands on this book if this is their struggle, but maybe like okay, you know, not in a relationship right now. I'll put the, a pen in this. But you have so many great books. Maybe if you can recommend girls in their twenties, what's yeah. one of your you definitely should read this one.
1: Well, probably uh, th- I've written three just for that a- that age group. Um, and I think my favorite of those is Get Lost, A Girl's Guide to Finding True Love. And it's about getting lost in God's love for... <sighs> um i challenge everyone to take a 10 day love feast where they just kind of put if there's a relationship in their life with a guy they put that on hold for 10 days to really focus on their love with jesus and i take them through some guided journaling some guided worship time some guided prayer time but you know so many times i see people in relationships or or let's say they're not in a relationship and they're just like god if i had a guy everything would be okay give me the guy mm-hmm. give me the guy give me the guy then they find the guy, they get married. And on the other side of that, they're just like, God, fix the guy. What's wrong with the guy? Um, And the fact is they never got lost in God's love. Marriage is meant to be a picture of the love of Christ for the church. And we get it backwards sometimes. We're like, I'm going to fall in love and then I'm going to understand the love of Jesus, right? No, 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 no. You're supposed to fall in love with Jesus and understand the love of Jesus. And then out of that, you paint a picture with your marriage. And so it's just a challenge. Um, Some women are like, but I'm engaged or I'm in this serious relationship. Well, if he's the right guy, he will be absolutely delighted if you take 10 days to say, listen, I need to just like give these 10 days to Jesus. And that's going to look different for everybody. Some girls that have engaged have been like, I don't text my fiance until I've done the love feast for the day. Um, and then we're able to communicate and stuff, but I want to put Jesus in the first priority of my day. There's lots of ways you can do it, but get lost your guide to finding true love by Dana Gresh. Oh, okay.
0: I'll definitely link that in the show notes. I, I don't think I actually knew about that one. So thank you for suggesting that. And I feel like I do online mentoring and I feel like you just answered so many uh-huh. places that girls reach out to me. They're in this place. Of, yeah. <laughs> and you said it so well, like I need a man. I need a man. And then they get the man, yeah. oh, fix him. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. As you said, he's not the solution to all your problems. That's adorable for Cinderella, but that's all made up. So. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. Amen. Oh, I have strong feelings. And this is why I like <laughs> you so much because you have the same strong feelings. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. Okay. Um, anything else you want to unpack from the book? I mean, there's so many good things there, but I, th- I just definitely want to get this in the hands of girls who might find themselves in this situation. Thank you for yeah. Providing this resource because I think it's I love just-
1: it. I love it. You know, a lot of times I think I would just say that uh, women listen to me talk about the book and they're like, ah, I'm the problem. I'm the one struggling with pornography, not my husband, not my boyfriend, not my fiance. And um, I wrote a book with Dr. Julie Slattery called Pulling Back the Shades. And it's really about women and why they reach out for erotica and pornography. Like what are the longings in our heart that cause that? And how do we fulfill those longings with the right thing so that we don't reach out to the wrong thing? So you're not alone if that's you. Um, there, 30% of women are struggling and a much higher percentage have seen pornography or read erotica. You are not alone and Jesus can mm-hmm. heal your heart. He healed my husband's. He can heal yours. I want to ask one more question because we didn't talk about it. What about to the girl
0: herself or her boyfriend? Well, what's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anyone. That's yeah. a common misconception with porn.
1: Well, even, um, even secular voices are saying now, it's not just a faith thing or a religious thing or a Christian thing. Pornography is really bad for us. Um, one of the things we've noticed is that people who use pornography have very little interest in real sex. Their appetite mm-hmm. dries up. Another thing we see is that uh, there's more impotence at a younger and younger ages as Mm -hmm. uh, pornography is just kind of wringing that out of people. There's uh, chemical addiction is a really real thing. As I talked about before, the impact on the brain is... Uh, so horrible. Uh, dopamine is the chemical that we get when we look at pornography. It's a feel-good chemical. It's a pleasure chemical. And it basically says, hey, do that again. It felt good. And it's very moral, uh, morally neutral, values neutral. So it's not going to be like, hey, I'm going to give you some dopamine because you use porn because it's good for you. It's, it's obviously not. Um, but what we see is that dopamine... If I eat a piece of cake, for example, I'm gonna get a tiny little hit of dopamine that lasts about an hour. Um, If you have sex with your spouse, you're gonna get a hit of dopamine that lasts about an hour, a little bit longer than that. Uh, Working out, running, you get a little hit of dopamine, lasts about an hour. Heroin, not good for you, right? dopamine lasts a little bit longer than an hour but with pornography we're seeing that that dopamine spike is lasting 4 or 5 6 hours wow that whole time it's burning the brain that's not that's not that's my word that's not like the clinically accurate words but you're seeing these functional holes in the brain the brain looks like swiss cheese um so it's damaging to your relationship it's damaging to you if you want to live a life where you are not drawn to people, but you're drawn to self-pleasure, then it's great. Go for it. But if you want to be in a meaningful relationship with somebody and you want that relationship to be healthy because your brain is healthy and you can have conversations and look at sunsets and take walks together, then you better push pause on porn.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It sounds
1: like or live in your mama's basement
0: and not have any real connections yeah, yeah, in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Not a great alternative. Not a good life. Yeah, really. Oh, my word. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I always like to end our interviews by asking my classic question. And I feel like you could answer this in 20 parts. But if you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you say? Oh,
1: girl, what are you <laughs> thinking? So my 20-year-old self was sexually active with my boyfriend. And I wish I could go back to her and say, you know, it's a funny thing. You say you believe this, but the way you live and act proves what you really believe. So either say what you're proving you believe or stop. Like the the Bible calls this something. It calls it being double-minded. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways, not just their area where they're being double-minded, but all of them. And I finally did get to that point, but I sure wish I had gotten to it sooner. There'd be so much less heartache in my life. Um, God has such rich, beautiful, just love and kindness and joy and laughter for us in relationships when we approach them his way. Mm -hmm. And I lost some of that. And I would go back to my 20-year-old self and just shake her by the shoulders and say, girl, which one is it? Walk in that one. Whichever one it is, live that way. I think that was my favorite answer because you said it.
0: You said the things that need to be said. I, I needed that for my 20-year-old self too. Yeah, and you would have said it with love, of course, but it's kind of like that wake yeah. up, sister. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what a pleasure to e meet you. Thank you for yeah. sharing this. I know this it's is gonna be a top download. My
1: joy to meet you, Sue.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, I would enjoy you sharing it with a friend. If you take a screenshot and share it on your social, make sure you give me a tag at Katie Bulmer life, and I will definitely make sure I respond. And thank you so much for sharing the love. Hey, and if you're new to the podcast, make sure you scroll back. We have over a hundred episodes interviewing experts and 20 somethings and everyone in between tackling all the hottest topics you wish you knew, but maybe just don't. This is called the truth for your twenties podcast. And I'm so thankful that you are here.